and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking all about the trade deadline. The day has come and gone. No moves on the Oklahoma City Thunders front. Lots of different trades league-wide, though. So I'm going to be talking about OKC, and then I'm going to be talking about the widespread impact of moves we have seen through the course of Thursday. And to top it all off, guys, I'm going to be giving you a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. But guys, entering the trade deadline, the Thunder had one previous trade made from yesterday, including KZ Akpala, ended up getting an altered first round selection that made it a bit better for them with the Miami Heat. A second round pick was sent Miami's way as well, but pretty damn quiet. And you go into Thursday, still loaded with players like Kenrich Williams, Mike Muscala, Ty Jerome, Teo Maladon, and you got a ton of picks if you want to be a buyer at some capacity. But they opted not to do anything. No trades were made by Sam Presti. They were good, just taking one this season. We'll see if there's any buyouts. We'll see if they change the two-way scenario. But as it stands, they have their 15-man roster with the two two-way players on board. And going into things like, was the expectation trades would be there? I believe so. I mean, Oklahoma City had $33 million in free cap space heading into today. So guys like Tobias Harris, who are, uh, you know, he's sitting on a $35 million contract right now. Tim Hardaway Jr., he's making $21.7 million. Goran Dragic's on nasty, a pretty nasty contract. So there were contracts that the Thunder could have absorbed today, and they could have gotten some sort of draft equity out of it. However, they elected not to do so. And I think the reason is like, hey, if there's not an offer that's going to blow you away, what's the point in taking it? And there, I don't think there were any deals that were like that. So if you're going to bring on someone like Tobias Harris, unless you're getting a boatload of picks, it's probably not in your best interest because Tobias Harris, he's not just signed for this season. He's signed for the next two seasons and he increases in salary every single year. I believe he makes $39 million in his final season. You don't want to be paying that kind of money especially when you have SGA going on a max contract. Guys like Lou Dort are going to cash in in a little bit here. And Kemba Walker is still going to be under contract for next season as well. So they have a lot of money under wraps already. You don't want to really do that with Harris and limit you. And I'd say it goes to the same extent with some guys like Hardaway Jr., for example. Maybe not to the same extent, just because it's 21 mil and it actually lowers as time progresses in that four-year contract. But it would have made things uh, pretty difficult for you, and it would have kind of hindered your flexibility over these next couple of years. So the fact that they dodged a lot of these bullets is a good thing for Sam Presti. And this is the same mentality that was utilized last year. I think with a player such as Kenrich Williams, he's a valuable piece. I'm sure that teams were trying to get him on a very cheap uh, sort of trade package all day with Sam Presti. But what's the point in offloading Kenrich Williams? There's literally no reason for you to pull the trigger. 
He's still signed for the next two seasons. It's a two-year, $4 million contract. He's been one of your sturdy bench players for the last two years, and he wants to hang around. Why? Why would you settle for a second rounder or two second rounders when, in all likelihood, you're not going to get a hit such as Kenrich Williams with either of those two picks? And you already have so many picks, it can get a bit redundant. And I don't know if it would really be all that worth it for you. So to not trade Kendrick Williams, I think is a big plus actually, because you still get someone who's going to contribute with winning, but also, you know, they're a rebuilding team. Once they hit that switch, Kendrick Williams is a guy that you know is already ready to play at that stage. He is a certified catch and shoot guy. He's a two-way player that's going to play multiple different positions. And this is what Presti has wanted for years. You know, when Billy Donovan was the head coach, you got guys like Terrence Ferguson, Josh Hustis come in and out of the system because they were searching for players like Kenrich Williams. You don't get the Kenrich Williams type player and offload them for pretty much potato chips. So I'm happy that didn't happen. Same goes for Mike Muscala. I would also picture some teams like the Lakers or the Warriors might have inquired for like a second round pick or something. But why would you want to do that? If he still wants to hang around, he's been extremely productive. And he's kind of been your heart and soul of the team for the last three seasons. There's no need to move him. So I think those are the top two assets. Outside of that, maybe Ty Jerome uh, could have been sent in some phone calls. But you can't really dwell on it, you know? I think that this was the correct play. The only reason I would have jumped in on a move would have been a young player for a young player. I think guys like I mentioned before, the Paul Reeds, the Isaiah Todds, they could have been accessible to trades, but because the blockbusters were limited to two teams, the Thunder didn't have that gateway. They didn't have the entry point to take on bad salary, but also get a young asset in the process. Uh, so you wound up just not making any sort of moves. So playing it patient was the smart play. They're still sitting at $33 million and they're $23 million above the salary floor and with the Akpala edition it's now around 22 because of it there is going to be a hefty payday to some of and really all the players on the Thunder roster it's an average bonus of 1.47 million dollars split 15 ways and for some players that bonus is more than their annual salary Vic Krejci is making about $947,000 I believe He's making less than Kyle Singler is right now. You add 1.47 mil, he's going to be ecstatic. And I think this sends the right message to the team that like, hey, you know, they're rebuilding, but this is kind of what you get for the hard work you put in. You get a hefty bonus that you're not going to find elsewhere. And it's a situation where, you know, if the Thunder wanted to do so, they could eat up some of this salary floor. But it's not as easy as last year where you just sign Gabrielle Deck and all that money is utilized. It's going to take a while and it's going to take a lot of creativity. So this should get split. I would assume everybody probably gets a million dollars out of this bonus. Maybe there's another deal or two in store, but as of right now, doesn't look like it. So their ending package for this draft or trade season ended up being KZ Akpala from the Miami Heat, 
And then the 2023 lottery protected pick from Miami that lasted until 2026 got cut down. Now it is a lottery protected pick in 2025 that becomes unprotected in 2026. And this becomes better for the Thunder because Jimmy Butler will be 35 in 2025. And there will be a lot of question marks surrounding the Heat franchise. So all they did was just take a safe blow with the Miami Heat, kind of a mutually beneficial agreement. Miami gets availability to some draft picks. OKC, in all likelihood, gets a better draft pick out of this. And nothing else happened here. So fairly quiet, but you cannot be upset. Presti did everything in his power. It's not like they had mega chips to be offloading this season. And you know, you kind of settle with it. So you can move on to next year. A lot of these same trade pieces like Kenrich and like Muscala will be on expiring deals next year. So maybe it's still going to be enticing, I would imagine. And I don't think anyone's going to be tossed into the buyout market like last year, such as a Darius Miller or a Justin Jackson, because everybody on this Thunder roster is pretty damn young 24 years or under that's about what you're targeting Um, so they're all still pieces that you could utilize in the long term so this is one where sure it would have been nice to get a flashy player in there a mo bamba a pj washington but there's nothing wrong with what's currently going on so i think you give them a passing grade with today Nothing spectacular, but they really did not need to do anything uh, when you kind of go into all reality uh, of everything here. But before I get into the league-wide news, I want to let you guys know about my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook and a special offer they currently have going on. The moment we've been waiting for since September is finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56 is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country and new customers can get a free shot at $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 plus minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for a full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Void where prohibited. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line, that's 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. But guys, moving 
to the grand scheme of things with trades today. Approach the double digits in terms of exchanges. OKC, like I mentioned, was absent. But oh my goodness, there were a lot of bombs being dropped. And the day started out really quietly. There was not much movement. And then things started to bubble. The first trade that came out was a four-team deal. Kings got Dante DiVincenzo, Trey Lyles, and Josh Jackson. The Bucks ended up with Serge Ibaka, two future seconds, and Cash. The Clippers got Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale, and the Pistons got Thunder Mock Trade Legend Marvin Bagley Jr. The man who has been the poster boy for Thunder Trades for two years. He is now in Motor City. You got Serge Ibaka, a favorite for the mock trades this cycle. He ends up in Milwaukee. And then Dante DiVincenzo, who should have been in Sacramento a year ago, finally finds himself there. He's with DeMontis Sabonis in addition to Jackson and Trey Lyles. And Josh Jackson is a pretty fun addition to a Kings team who just came off a win and the perspective of Sabonis being garbage has now magically worn off. Talked about it whenever I mentioned the Sabonis Halliburton trade. I think long term this is one that the the Kings could grimace at but I said that they won the trade at the current point in time. Sabonis is a two-time all-star for a reason and he was playing smooth as silk with De'Aaron Fox last night. So props to them. I think that their ending package from the trade deadline uh, is a very good one. They find themselves with a new identity. They're still not contenders, which is kind of the issue where they're sort of in no man's land, but they're a more fun team than they were before. And Sabonis, he's only 25, so you still have a little bit of room uh, if you want to try to muster something up in the next two seasons or so. And then with Jackson, former number four overall pick, the Pistons tapped out some of it, uh, some of his potential earlier in the year, kind of worn off. Maybe you can kind of rekindle that a little bit with Ibaka. Get him in ring chasing mode. The Milwaukee Bucks, that's a team you want him on. So you got to be happy for Eric Congo and his pursuit of the Larry O'Brien. And then for Rodney Hood, moving from the Bucks to the Clippers, he's on a $2.1 million expiring. The Clippers are just obsessed with shot creating guards. Last two seasons, they picked up Luke Kennard. They just got Norman Powell. Brandon Boston Jr. was their second round pick. And now they end up getting Rodney Hood. It's just something that they always target. And you can't really hate on it because shot creating shooting guards are one of the most fun archetypes uh, you're going to find in the NBA. But they're really scouring the market. And you know, you're not gunning for semi Ojale really here in this deal. It's for Rodney Hood, and he he can put up points. He's got to find room for him on a pretty backcourt-heavy Clippers rotation. And then for the Pistons, you get Marvin Bagley Jr. The Kings did not have room for him after the Sabonis deal. It was either him or Holmes made the call with Holmes. He's on a four-year deal, and they'll be able to look at Marvin Bagley with an actual lens on it because the Kings never really gave him the light of day. So Detroit, you know, they've done a good job, just like Josh Jackson last year. They get another lottery project and they get to evaluate him. Maybe they get a diamond in the rough with Marvin Bagley Jr. But that's going to do it for the first deal. When you 
Pivot from that, uh, this is kind of a sneaky trade that I really enjoy. It was with the Raptors and the San Antonio Spurs. The Raptors ended up with Thad Young, Drew Eubanks, and a 2022 Pistons second round pick. So this is a very valuable one. This is going to land from 31 to probably 35, 33 if we're going to be real here. So this is a really good pick. Uh, the Raptors are picking up here. Eubanks got subsequently waived. Uh, but on the flip side, the Spurs got Goran Dragic and Toronto's 2022 first round pick. It's lottery protected right now. If it, they don't get it this year, it's 1 through 13 protected in 2023. And if it doesn't convey again, just two second round picks. Dragic is supposed to be bought out. I really like what the Spurs did though, because Thaddeus Young, he's a good player. I don't think the Spurs are necessarily going for anything this year. So you move from a second round pick to a first round pick just with a snap of a finger. And the Raptors are in contention for a play-in. And if they do make it, you know, this is going to be in the 15 to 20 range. So they're getting right where they want to be from the Spurs perspective. And if somehow it doesn't work out, I'm sure next year the Raptors will be in a play-in spot. So I think this conveys as a first round pick to them. And if they weren't going to use Thaddeus Young, this was the best way to do it. Just pulling a Presti almost where you're just making your assets a bit bigger, matching contracts with Thad. You get Dragic who you just wave. Um, but you know, eat that contract up if it means you get a better young player in the conversation. So I enjoyed how that worked out for both teams. Uh, and, and I really like it for the Spurs though, because of Thad joining the Raps. And, you know, I think the Raps are going to move into the play-in territory as the games progress here. But those two deals were not the talk of the town. If you watched the ESPN trade special, you knew this trade happened. Everyone knew it happened, but you had to listen to content on it for about two, three hours. And this was the blockbuster. This is the one everybody was waiting for. The New York Nets ended up trading James Harden to the Philadelphia 76ers. This had Harden and Paul Millsap attached, and they ended up getting Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first round picks a 2022 first which is unprotected but the nets can also push it back to a 2023 first if they so choose and then they have a 2027 first from the 76ers that is protected one through eight and then in 2028 it is also protected one through eight so simmons curry drummond two firsts you end up getting a roster where you have Kyrie Irving, Seth Curry, KD, Ben Simmons, and the Marcus Aldridge. And in the second unit, you have Patty Mills, Joe Harris, and Andre Drummond. There's still some other pieces there, of course, such as Kessler Edwards, Nick Claxton, etc., etc. This is a really good core, though. And with James Harden pushing to get out of there, seemed like tensions were not in a great place. This is a good haul. Ben Simmons has said he wants to play again. I think he's literally going to be ready for their game tomorrow, which um, is obviously very interesting. This dude finagled the 76ers out of 50 games of NBA play, Uh, but he's good to go now, and Ben Simmons is a good player. But you get Curry, one of the best shooters around, and Andre Drummond, who, you know, despite what everybody's saying, 
He's a pretty good rebounder, and he's really good around the basket, so he's still a good center to have on your roster. They're ready for contention, and for Ben Simmons, you know, this is the roster you want to structure him around, just a ton of shooters. You have Patty Mills and Seth Curry who are going to light it up on wide open threes. KD can hit it from anywhere. LaMarcus Aldridge is a stretch big, and then guys like Edwards as well can hit, so he'll be he'll be ready. I think this is the best situation for him. And the Brooklyn Nets were able to turn Harden, who was on a two-year deal, um, who was clearly unhappy, into a potential long-term guy in Ben Simmons again. And it actually probably expands your championship window uh, because you ended up with Ben Simmons. But the one interesting ripple from this trade actually came off of one of the picks dealt by the 76ers and it's this 2027 first round pick one through eight protections 2028 also one through eight on the surface level it doesn't look like much but it actually did have some sort of impact and that's what it looked like whenever this trade was made it seemed like Oklahoma City had to get in on the deal because this 2027 first had actually already been dealt in some way to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And this came off of the 2020 offseason deal where OKC traded Danny Green, traded a couple other chips. I think it was Ferguson and Poirier. And they ended up receiving Al Horford. They got Teo Maladon, Vasile Micic as well. Uh, and then they ended up getting the 2025 first round pick from Philly. But it was protected. Top six protection on that one. If it didn't convey, went to 2026. It was a top four protection in 2026. And then if somehow they were a top four team, 2027, one through four protection. So it has been protected or it is a pick protected for the lifespan of three seasons. Even though it's unlikely, if you have a team with Joel Embiid, James Harden, the pick shouldn't land in the lottery for those seasons. It's still in the equation that the 2027 pick would go to OKC. So it makes you think, would you have to adjust the implications or adjust how the protections work with that trade to get the one accessible to the Brooklyn Nets? And I thought the answer was yes. Turns out the answer is no because it is two years out. It's a 2025 pick. So it only impacts 2025 and 2026 that I'm aware of. So I guess technically it allows them to move 2027, but it's one that you kind of have to wrap your head around. Like even with it stated out loud, it doesn't make sense because what if in 2025 and in 2026, it doesn't convey? Well, then you're in a pickle. I think the way that it works is and we don't get the fine details of this Harden trade. We don't see the written writing just yet. But I would assume Oklahoma City is involved somehow on that document, whether it says with the 2027 first, it's either going to be 2028 if it's still hanging around for OKC, or if it's like, hey, you know, if OKC gets the pick in 2025, well, then you'll be good to go for 2026 or 2027, something of that nature. So something in writing has to clarify this. But it was a scramble when it happened, and I think a lot of people were just eager for the Thunder to hop into something. This was a potential lead that led absolutely nowhere, uh, but it was just a small, small 
adrenaline rush for the Thunder fan base. Um, but yeah, that was weird because the Akpala deal looks like the Heat changed protections because of the Steffian rule because they wanted to offload more picks. Seemed like that would have to be the same with this, but nope, due to some rule here, the Thunder did not have to be involved, and that's why they stayed sedentary on Thursday. But going past the Big Kahuna, which I think the Brooklyn Nets won, I think obviously with the 76ers, they needed to offload Simmons. They also went in their own right, but I'll give it to the Nets. Anyways, after that trade, you get another one with the San Antonio Spurs. This one comes with the Boston Celtics, and the Spurs get Josh Richardson and Romeo Langford for Derek White. Seemed like Derek White was going to stay with San Antonio for a while. Feel good story out of Colorado. Seemed like he had no NBA aspirations. End up going in the first round. He was crying on the phone. And he turned into a really good defensive prospect for San Antonio. I think what happened though is San Antonio really bought in on some of their new guards. Joshua Primo and Devin Vassell are the people that kind of stick out. Two back-to-back lottery picks. Primo's the youngest dude in the NBA. Devin Vassell is a really solid 3 and D prospect. So it kind of put White on thin ice. You already have DeJounte Murray, who is a solidified all-star this year. So it makes getting Josh Richardson a little bit worthwhile. You have to look at Romeo Lankford, though, as well. The Boston Celtics have not given him a lot of chances in the league, and quite frankly, he hasn't really earned them. He hasn't been starring in the G League. Uh, He hasn't been starring in minimal appearances in the NBA, but just got to keep in mind, this dude was a five-star for a reason, athletic freak, and defensively, he's pretty sound. So he has a lot of potential still. Former lottery pick just, I think, two, three seasons ago. This is a Popovich type of player. And this is one where he slips into the deal. You don't think much of it. But in a couple years, I think that Langford could be a pretty solid guy for the Spurs. If he washes out, he washes out. This was more of a throw-in, but it is a very premium throw-in to have for the Spurs side of things. So I think the Spurs ended up winning. Also, though, the Celtics, they get a much-needed point guard presence. They had Dennis Schroeder, who they did not want Uh, as it turned out, but they get Derek White, they still have Marcus Smart, get the ball handling up in Boston, think they did so, and they definitely checked that box. But pivoting to the next move, Indiana and Phoenix made a trade, the Pacers got Jalen Smith in a future second, and Torrey Craig went back to the Phoenix Suns. Craig was instrumental last year for the Suns, really good catch and shooter, That's all that they really needed with CP3, with Devin Booker. So they get their glue guy back, but they move on from Jalen Smith. And Jalen Smith, I mean, the whole like contract deal with him is the most confusing, probably in the NBA right now, because he's your number 10 pick, and then you don't pick up his option. You make him a restricted free agent after two years in the NBA, and then you have to attach a pick with him. I mean, he was pretty much useless as a trade asset because of how they decided to go about this team option. Um, But yeah, I mean, they just botched the hell out of it. I think he would have had more value Um, and he still does have some value, but the Pacers couldn't find a trade. They actually wanted to trade Jalen Smith again to ooze out another second or just another type of asset. 
but no one bit the bullet on it. So he's going to be walking into unrestricted free agency and the Pacers could lose out on him. Regardless though, they get this contingency plan because they already get the second round pick. And honestly, Jalen Smith could be a pretty good center for the Indiana Pacers. Miles Turner's hurt right now. When you look at what the Pacers have at the five, Golga Batadze is there. But, you know, there's no main guy. So Jalen Smith will get a lot of minutes. He'll get a chance to bolster his stock up and uh, maybe get uh, another deal from Indiana on potentially a budget cost just because he hasn't been tapped into that much. This one works out for both teams. This kind of a small trade helps the Suns for their championship aspirations. Jalen Smith was not going to stick around, so it was really just a second round pick for him, and that works out either way that you'd like to cut it. This is a deal next up that probably confused some people, still confuses me just a little bit, but I'm pretty high on one of these players. This one involved the Charlotte Hornets and the Washington Wizards. The Hornets got Montrez Harrell, and the Wizards got Vernon Carey and Ish Smith. Montrez Harrell is a beast around the basket. He's going to make the Charlotte Hornets even more fun. You have Kai Jones, really fun lob threat. Miles Bridges is there. P.J. Washington is there. And now Harrell is there in the pick and roll. Him and LaMelo Ball are going to be something special. Doesn't really have that outside game, but it doesn't matter. He's like the Kenneth Reed of the 2020s right now. So you'd love to have that type of energy player. And they really don't give up anything for him. They give out Vernon Carey, former second round pick, and Ish Smith, who's a decent backup, just a journeyman who's returning back to the nation's capital. I will say though, Vernon Smith is a sneaky good pickup for the Washington Wizards, and they are very good at making these out-of-nowhere trades for people that are under the radar. Daniel Gafford was not really thought of uh, when he was with the Chicago Bulls. He gets dealt over there last season as uh, really just a a little spice to things, and now he's pretty damn valuable. I think the same is going to happen with Vernon, Vernon Carey. He's been a beast with a swarm. He's able to get your rebounds, get you some blocks, and space it out a little bit. And he's still young. I think he's only 22 years old right now. And he's on a cheap contract. This is a former second round pick. So you get potential out of it, and you're going to be able to build off of it. So if they really wanted away from Montrez Harrell, this was a decent enough haul. Now, I'd be lying if I said... I didn't think there would be more lucrative offers available, but you can't really knock uh, what they have going on here because of a later trade that they made. And the next one I have with the Wizards, it's not as big as what I want to bring up here, but they did offload a point guard. They got Ish Smith. You got to kind of make numbers work. They move Aaron Holiday to Phoenix and get some cash. Phoenix is looking to make that run. You get another guard in Holiday. You have Campaign in the backup role right now. So we'll see how they uh, utilize those two together. And then Washington gets some cash. But then Washington took all those assets and put them back on the table. They got Bradley Beal. He still seems content with them despite things not really going their way. And they make a blockbuster move. This is probably the second biggest trade that we saw during the trade deadline, and the Mavericks sent out Kristaps Porzingis in a second round pick 
In return from Washington, they got Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans, and then Moses Brown got waived in order to make that two-for-one trade work out. When I look at the deal, I look at the Dallas Mavericks and I think, what are you guys doing? The Dallas Mavericks are known to not do much during the deadline, and when they do, it doesn't always go their way. Kristaps Porzingis, he doesn't play that much, so that's the one rain check you get here. But he's a good second option to have. When you have Luka Doncic at the helm, you want to have another superstar. Kristaps Porzingis, when healthy, is able to play at the star level. Now, is he the same guy he was two, three seasons ago? Probably not, but he can still give you good output. He's not someone that you can kind of just give the ball to and he can create for himself, but he's still dropping 20 and 10 like it's nothing, and you want to have guys like that. Now, you end up bringing in Spencer Dinwiddie, the man making his salary off of crypto, which could be seen as a smart move, probably will end up being that way, and Davis Bertans, who's on a four-year $64 million contract, and Dinwiddie's isn't much better, to be honest. And now you're kind of just thinking, well, where's the second star at now? Spencer did when he's good, but he's not your second option. The second option's Jalen Brunson, and unless they're playing the OKC Thunder 82 games out of the season, Jalen Brunson's not going to be the, a top number two option, and they still have to re-sign him. He's finishing up his rookie-scale deal, and they just gave money out to Dorian Finney-Smith. He's making like $12, $13 million over the next four seasons, so they're getting out the checkbook. They didn't get rid of Tim Hardaway Jr., Instead, they get rid of Porzingis, and they try to reshuffle the deck with some guys that aren't dynamic with you. Is Dinwiddie able to create more than Porzingis? Sure, he's able to get more players involved, um, but I still probably take Porzingis. And then with Davis Bertans, it's a contract that has looked worse and worse. He was signed to be an elite catch-and-shoot player. He's been injured, and he hasn't been the elite catch-and-shoot guy he's been made out to be, um, so maybe he'll he'll be that for them, but he's no Porzingis, so this is one where I think the Wizards end up winning this big, and, you know, getting rid of Montrez Harrell for carry doesn't seem that bad uh, after all, but that was kind of the last gunshot we saw. We did get one trade after the 2 uh, p.m. time, it trickled in probably like 2.02, 2.03. This one involved the Celtics, and the Houston Rockets, they were inactive until the final minute here, but the Celtics got back Daniel Tice, and the Rockets got Dennis Schroeder, Ennis Freedom, and Bruno Fernando. Ennis Freedom ended up being waived like immediately after. People were mentioning it like because you have him, you have Sangoon together. Uh, the narrative has been like because of Cantor's views, you know, some of the Turkish guys around the NBA didn't really associate with him, didn't talk to him. So I guess that could factor in. Maybe the they just didn't want to deal with him, but he's off the books now. Rockets end up netting Dennis Schroeder and Bruno Fernando. This is one where it's kind of just doing a solid. Dice will help out in a playoff run. And then for the Houston Rockets, Dennis Schroeder is still a good player, so he'll contribute. Um, but... I don't even know if that really helps them because he's going to contribute. Do they want to win games? I don't think they do. Uh, so 
this actually helps the Thunder a little bit too when you think about it. Um, but yeah, that was kind of just a small trade that could help during the playoff run for the Rockets. If Schroeder becomes too good, they'll probably end up benching him, right? So you don't really want to fret about it um, all, all that much anyways. But if you want to chalk down the winners and the losers from the deadline, I would say the Nets are one of the winners. The Pacers are one of the winners. The Spurs are one of the winners. For the Nets, you get rid of you get rid of the, the major question with Harden. You still got to deal with Kyrie, which is another debacle in of itself. But you get rid of him, and you get a younger player in Simmons who has some clear issues. Like, he has to sure up from three, but at least he's looking to play again. And you do get some respectable shooters to fill in the gashes. And that's about all you get. I think it is a good contending lineup for them. For the Pacers, they kind of got a new identity now. They entered this bad boy in mediocrity. They have Sabonis. They have Turner. They have Karis LeVert. Have all these different chips. They end up getting rid of Sabonis and LeVert. Those are the main two. And they get a new identity. They get a 22-year-old in Tyrese Halliburton who's looking to play and looking to star for you now. Pair that up with a rookie in Chris Duarte. Malcolm Brogdon is still with you. And you have Miles Turner still on board. So you have a little grouping there. And then you end up getting rid of Levert to get some draft equity as well. So they could make a play. And they're looking like a good young rebuilding team after not looking like one at all. And they still have that major assets and Malcolm Brogdon and potentially Miles Turner if they would like to go that route as well. And then with the Spurs, they're more of like the dark horse winner to me because they end up having to put a lot of faith in Vassell and Primo. Right now, Derek White's a very good player for you. Um, So that one does hurt, but you end up getting a guy in Romeo Langford. You end up getting a first round pick from the Raptors. And it's just a small move that pushes you back into rebuilding mode. And for them, it's always about reconstruction. Like they never dip to the very bottom, but they always are able to hit on some solid picks. This is a good way to position yourself for that. You get a young guy in Langford who could be something, and then you get an additional uh, first round pick to make something out of nothing because they always seem to do really well with some of these 20s. Uh, selections like the Keldon Johnsons, the Derek Whites, the DeJounte Murrays. They know what they're doing. Their scouting team is one of the best in the business. But looking at losers, the Dallas Mavericks have to be number one. They got rid of Moses Brown. Enough said. Um, now, do I do I think that he's like this star? Probably not. Do I think he's still an NBA player? Yes. A lot of people feel strongly that he sucks. I don't think so. I mean, he's the energy bench guy that you throw out for 10 minutes. Nothing more, nothing less right now. It's probably where he peaks, honestly. But that type of energy can change some games for you. So I enjoy him from that area. We'll see if he gets claimed off waivers. If the Thunder pick him up, which they really don't have room for him, I would be on board. You get him back. Poku's feeling it again. Teo's feeling it again. You just have to bring Josh Hall on board from the Raptors 905. And you you got all, like all the Infinity Stones from last season when they beat the Clippers, when they were in full tank commander mode. You have it all right there in front of you. So you could make another serious run at the ping pong balls again if you do it that way. Uh, I doubt it though. Uh, but the big reason they lose is because they do get rid of Porzingis who, yeah, I could see him being an issue, but you really don't get anything significant in return. 
you know, Brunson's a good guy. I'm sure he's going to be averaging high numbers for the rest of the season, but he's not someone that's going to win you the chip. And then, you know, you you do have Tim Hardaway, who is still on a four-year contract that's not very favorable for you anyways. I think Dorian Finney-Smith does it much better on the contract, and the one he just signed is for like $7 million less than what Tim Hardaway Jr. is making right now. And the final two teams I have as losers, the Houston Rockets have to be bunched in there. I think with Eric Gordon, they could have made a move. Now, the John Wall thing, I mean, he's got to be the worst contract in the league. So trading him would have been like probably insane. Um, it would have had to do with like Westbrook or Harris or something of that, uh, but they don't end up doing it. So I can't be mad at them. I think the big one is just Eric Gordon not being dealt. That would have been a really good salary filler. Uh, so they could have gone on that end and maybe got a pick or two out of it. And then also Christian Wood, you know, interest was thrown the Rockets way. And I don't think Christian Wood is a bad guy to have on board. I actually think given his age, I think he's only 26, he could still develop with you, but he's on such a team-friendly contract. I think he's only making 12 or $13 million that contenders could have used him. And I think you could have gotten some sort of deal to get maybe a rookie or a player who is fairly young. And the Golden State Warriors were one that were talked about. You know, they do have Moses Moody. They have Jonathan Kuminga. They have James Wiseman. That's kind of more of like the godfather offer. And I don't really know what they would have sent to the the Warriors to make it work. Uh, But I do think Christian Wood would have had value. I'm sure they had it. They just didn't elect to take it. I can see them not wanting to pull the trigger. Like if the Thunder had Christian Wood, you have SGA still, you have Lou Dort probably want to hold off on it you just kind of uh, pick and choose here it's not SGA it's Jalen Green and it's also Kevin Porter Jr. so you can't really put him at fault I definitely think them not moving Eric Gordon uh, will end up biting them just a little bit though and the Los Angeles Lakers they are also a loser if you didn't listen to the Twitter spaces yesterday you missed out in the biggest way possible I haven't listened to Twitter spaces often. I don't do it. And this was like the first day I listened to it for a long time. And oh my goodness, I am so happy I did. You have these Laker fans bashing the crap out of their team for hours. There's expletives. There's just the blame game going on. And there's like 2,500 people listening in on it. Pure, pure entertainment from them. They end up losing to the Portland Trailblazers last night. A Trailblazers team that's playing CJ Ellaby 43 freaking minutes, man. And you still have LeBron out there. AD's playing out there. Avery Bradley played 35 minutes. And it wasn't working out for them at all. And Anthony Simons dropped a 29-piece on Avery Bradley as well. So it's just salt in the wounds. And he didn't play Russell Westbrook either. The man who has been used as a punching bag. So they're all sitting in this lobby just trying to figure things out with uh, with what's going on with the Lakers. Everyone's mentioning the looming trade deadline. Here's what they have to do to get better. Here's a potential trade they could package. They don't make any trades at all. They can't trade Taylor Horton Tucker. They can't trade Kendrick Nunn. And they can't trade Russell Westbrook or anybody. So they're waiting for the buyout market. If they're going to waive someone, it's probably DeAndre Jordan or a Kent Bazemore maybe. 
But you gotta wait and see what this buyout market looks like. You know, there's not any crazy pieces that we know of getting waived currently. And I don't know if that's really gonna get you the full nine yards here. You needed more. You needed to make a trade. And from the outside looking in, it looked like team morale couldn't have been any lower. You got LeBron and AD not happy in the interviews. Russell Westbrook's talking about how he wants to play in the clutch time. He's not able to play. And then Frank Vogel's just over here pulling all the strings. You know, look, it, it sounded dysfunctional when I was in these Twitter spaces. They could have made some sort of trade here. Does not happen. So they'll be just standing, Pat, waiting to see what occurs. Lakers are definitely not in the same position as the Oklahoma City Thunder, though. OKC, they were okay not making any deals with the Lakers. You have LeBron and AD. Probably want to make that push. Uh, but they decide to keep things as it is right now. So they'll need a lot of chemistry build up in the next few months. With OKC, I'm sure the chemistry is going to build up naturally. And they're going to have an incentive. They're going to be making upwards of $1 million, barring any new movements, off of the salary floor not being reached. So Oklahoma City players rejoice. And they're going to sleep happily tonight, not being traded and being able to double their pay grade. But anyways, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. And that's going to do it for the trade week segment on the podcast. Kept it daily for the week here. We'll continue coverage with the Thunder game tomorrow. And we'll have some team news on the horizon. But thank you all for listening to this pod, the pod's over the past week and just the pods in general. It's been a while that I've been doing the podcast. I always love the support. If you guys have any suggestions for me, make sure to hit me up at Ben Kreider or at Thunderstick Pod. But other than that though, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. I thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.